Hi. <laughs> Hi. Hi, guys. Oh, my gosh. I put on a thing and it said, go now. We're live now. And then we were live. And I'm like, I messed up at the time. And I love that people are saying, like, our queen. Oh, my God. Charisma, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Yes. Wait, so can I tell everyone the funny thing you did say? about our recorded previous recording <laughs> yeah please. oh you did okay did it dog your memory um yes it did you know it was during the pandemic i know exactly where i was in the room in the house when i was yes i remember it vividly but i didn't remember but what was i it that i was just i appreciated the like it did make me laugh everyone charisma was just very honest because i was like oh we've recorded together it was like oop, i have no recollection of that and it made me genuinely like laugh <laughs> I appreciated that you weren't gonna bullshit me. You were just like, oh, I, don't I mean, really remember. yeah. I mean, I really. That's the thing. It's really hard. It's. I don't know what it is, but it really gets in my way a lot. In the sense that I remember being on. Um, I think it was on Angel at the time, and we were doing. There were. This was an executive event, and we had to do some kind of like thing, some kind of promo on the lot like while we were shooting and you're meeting and executives are coming and going and and I'm very singular minded. I I really don't know. I probably should see somebody about this, but I don't know how to combination <laughs> platter things very well. So if I'm there at work, I am so focused on the lines and, and the scene that I have to do that if executives come and I meet them, I'm not going to necessarily, and I should, mm -hmm would not necessarily remember that and get that engagement or whatever and this is there's no excuse to not remember having done the podcast but i think during the pandemic there was just so much going on for me emotionally and my son had come to live with me full time and there was so much uncertainty and then i think um i was up for some job that i was going to do in bulgaria and i'd done a one-off there and then it was you know are we going to go and i was going to go to egypt with my family there was just so much commotion going i had i didn't remember doing it and um and it was also kind of building up to be right before yeah. i made my statement um you know my statement so there's just so much going on in my mind so i apologize i don't do combination platter very well it's like the minute it comes in it will like go off and and it's no excuse and it's it's, it's, it's <laughs> no it's, i it's i like don't want to i wasn't like offended like, i really, really it, genuinely made it, me laugh no <laughs> you should be offended and i know that many people are offended and i just i i have no excuse i just i am terrible with uh re retaining certain things and um it, it really like alienates people and makes them you know angry kind of and and you were so darling about it you're even darling about it now and so forgiving but um i i, I honestly don't know what that is with my brain like i just can't you know um, i so i have ADD and i smoke a lot of weed that like it definitely makes my brain like no 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 like does that help <laughs> Maybe I should smoke weed. My son tells me this all the time. Mom, if anybody should smoke weed, it's you. Because maybe you know that I'm so high. That's so funny. I've told my I mom can't... that too. And she doesn't like what I, I mean, my mother is a lot older, but I'm always like, it would help you chill out. She's like, I don't, don't say that to me. <laughs> no, I, I think it's funny. You know, if mm. I, I, it's not like I haven't tried it. It's not like I haven't done gummies. Mm. I don't like yeah. the, the Yeah, Some people just don't like it. Yeah. I don't like being anxious <laughs> either. So I don't know what the solution is. Xanax, that helped me for a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I have it. I could use it, but it's always too late. But sometimes, yeah, sometimes I would take it. When I lived in New York, I was like 
way more anxious and I didn't like smoke as much. So I do. And like, sometimes I wouldn't uh -huh. like, it would make me feel like a little too drunk. And it's like, wait, I'm at work. Like, I don't want it to make me. Xanax. Yeah. See, that's the thing, like, especially as a performer, why, um, why Xanax is, is, you know, Kalanapen, like when I, I, I am an, I do, I'm, I'm anxious and there's actually, you know, um, this is kind of like inside information, very personal, but um, <laughs> hey, <laughs> I'm an open book. Um, the, the reality of the situation is for me, when I'm in flight or fight, mm -hmm. um, I, I can't retain. And it, it, I remember being on the set of Malibu Shores, and I think I've told this story before where I had one line as like my house on Thursday. And I literally would say out of anxiety every other day of the week, except for Thursday. And what I, when I went to see somebody about it, they're like, here, try Klonopin. And, and Klonopin apparently is a mind eraser, which is like, a, you know, I, I'm under the direction of a, of a doctor. I can't function like that yeah. at all, at all. You have to be, you have to be present, you have to be animated, you have to be receiving and, and performing. And it just wasn't the answer either. Um, but then I discovered, I, I found a psychiatrist, he's, he's passed away now, but I found a psychiatrist who I adore and he told me about a beta blocker and it's the um, LA Philharmonic, a lot of the performers they have um, anxiety and performance anxiety. And so what they do, the, the beta blockers um, calm your, your it's like a physiological response okay. system, like it slows your blood pressure down, but it doesn't affect huh. you from the neck up. So you're not drunk, you're not foggy, you're not any of that. And you can actually calm your like your body <laughs> calm. So tell your mom, I don't take it every day. I take it if I have an audition and mm. I feel that anxiety coming up. Uh, if, if I know I'm going to be in a high pressure situation, I, 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 I probably should take it every day, but um, it does really, really help. And, and it's not a narcotic and it's not, you know, you can't, you don't risk yeah. um, being. Huh, that's good. Uh, that's addicted. good to know, Charisma. Sorry, Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Welcome to Ian Charisma talking about antidepressants and medication. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah why not I mean, um, if it helps. I, I, I told you this before it, you will be i may be a little tickled my mother is 76 year old puerto rican woman and you she's the one that got me into buffy and like you are her favorite like she was very excited that i was talking she's like oh, she's so pretty <laughs> where is this woman we talk about her a lot and yet I don't get okay, to see her. I'll send you I, one later. To, I want a picture. <laughs> she was like, can I watch? But look, she doesn't have Instagram. I was like, hey, not really, but I can send you it after. Um, and it's funny, I like, I was telling someone how, so my grandma, her mom, didn't, I mean, didn't know what the show was. So she would just, I mean, she's a little Puerto Rican lady. So she would call it La Buffy or Doña Buffy is what she would call the show, which I always thought. Doña Buffy. <laughs> right? I love it. Yeah. Isn't that like madam? Isn't that yeah. like a sophisticated way of saying, yeah, don't, and a little bit, it's got a little it bit does, of yeah. Italian vibe to it, don't you? Um, I just really identify with the whole um, Latin community. It's just crazy. I, 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 I don't know. I, I, my grandfather is supposedly yeah. from the Portugal Strait, so it kind of makes sense. He refused to speak English uh, when he was kind of adopted by an American family and they kind of teased him about his accent and would want him to sing like Spanish songs and all that stuff. Are you having a DC at yes. 30 in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a coffee, but a DC. I am a big fan. But okay, wait, I'm going to sound like I'm 500 fucking years old, but coffee makes me jittery. 
I don't know why it makes you jittery. So I just always have like Diet Coke or a matcha. <laughs> ah, that's hilarious. I mean, um, Diet Coke is, it's my favorite uh, soda for sure. But anyway, I do. I really, I, mean, I, I love the Latin community. I do. I love the well, we know that. Um, community. <laughs> that is why we are of that. Okay. Let's, I, cause I've been seeing Sarah do all these like public interviews and, but I know like you, you've had these interactions for like, you know, the last like 20 years at cons, right? So like, when did you realize, like, yes. did you know when the show was on or did it like, was it at cons when you realized that like, you had a big like LGBTQ following? Uh, when did I realize? Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I have no idea when, um, when it like became apparent. I think I, um, I don't know, because to be honest with you, Cordelia when out in the world, when it first came out, like the first three seasons, um, mm. people didn't talk to me, you know, like fans didn't come up to me. They didn't, I think they probably thought she was scary <laughs> and would like give them a tongue lashing or say something really insensitive and alienate, you know, people. So I never really, I never really had a lot of fan interactions. And then I would go to cons and, you know, I, you know, obviously yeah. I would see and engage with fans, but I never knew like that specific niche group um, was really into me per se, but I, I don't know. Um, I think, I think the impact really hit me when I went to New York and my stepbrother, he had a partner and I went to visit him. And while my brother was in the bathroom, he leaned in to tell me like, I don't know if you know this, but I'm like, a diehard Buffy fan and especially oh, your that. character. And let me tell you why. And when he, and then when he kind of explained to me what Cordelia has meant to him as a gay man and how it gave him insight into how a bully probably feels, it gave him empathy towards a bully and it gave him insight into, you know, also saying your piece, saying your mind, uh, speaking your mind and, you know, being authentically you. Uh, that, I think he kind of just articulated to me, like, I, I've always kind of had this, and maybe you can answer this. I always kind of was baffled by why does the, um, the gay community really like bitches so much? Like, what is it about liking bitches so much when they've been targeted and bullied by bitches and assholes like i never understood so what, what, is this like <laughs> stockholm syndrome? so wait I, like, so i once interviewed um emma caulfield for uh this website called junkie when she was doing wandavision press tours and i actually like brought this up to her i was like oh like you know you have a huge like following in the gay community and she was like oh yeah yeah i do know and i was like you know what do you think about you is what appeals to the gay community. And she was like, she said the same thing you did. She was like, can, can you answer that? Like, I, I don't know that I'm equipped to answer it. And I told her, which I feel like applies to you in almost a little bit of a different way, but the same where like, she was really good at playing someone who spoke her mind, but felt outside the group and wanted to fit in. I feel like Cordelia very much is that, but doesn't care about fitting in. Cordelia is like, fuck you. If you don't like me, that's tough shit. And like, that's what a lot of like, I know that. <laughs> what I would strive to. I'm not quite that way, but I wish I could be that way. You know what I mean? Like, I wish I could be like, I don't give a right. shit what you think about me. And like, that's what Cordelia projects and what you do such a good job in your acting at projecting um, that I think that's what attracts gay men specifically to the character of Cordelia because she does just speak her mind. She looks great. Um, and like, 
isn't like she'll also like put herself in the mix if she needs to be she's like all right i'll help you know what i mean like she it's almost like cordelia chooses to right. be part of that group they weren't really her friends you know but she's like all right i'll help i'll help and then eventually she right. just becomes part of the gang and i think that's like something that draws gay men in is that like she just speaks her mind she's still caring about fashion but yeah she'll help you okay. too. <laughs> Let's be honest, it was really listen <laughs> i i was like going through some images the other day because like you know i'm screenshotting pictures of buffy and angel all the time for content for social yeah and like charisma this is a credit to you i feel like you look good in everything they put you in which like sometimes they picked like wild outfits but like you made all of them work which is impressive <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you i remember um i think it was season two of angel and we were doing a gallery shoot and i think sex in the city was kind of really big at that point it was like exploding and you know sarah jessica parker i felt was the <laughs> ultimate fashionista on that show and um patricia fields what is it patricia fields yeah, it was Patricia Fields. And she would put these crazy prints and colors and things together and it would just like be fabulous, right? So I remember being inspired by that and I'm wearing like these purple tuxedo pants and this really loud purpley whatever printed shirt. And I thought that would just be a fantastic, you know, because Cordelia was just yeah. all about staying up on it, right? And I look back at that photo gallery and I go, what was I thinking? What was I, that was like the worst, ugliest, terriblest, what? Terriblest, who? Listen, like somebody needed to intervene and go charisma, charisma, come on. But I, you know what I mean? It was just so, it was such a terrible, you know, attempt to, you know, uh, imitate, you know, the Carrie Bradshaw character from Sex and the City. And be able to like deliver like Sarah Jessica Parker, <laughs> it just didn't happen. Um, but I was so influenced by that show, and I tried to bring that into Cordelia. And I think another influence for as I'm thinking about this is in terms of like Cordelia's acting or the way she would behave with Xander specifically. I was really I didn't know this at the time, but when I looked back on um, a scene that I saw. Um, there's a moment where we're in a graveyard, um, Xander and Cordelia are in a graveyard, and I'm like, get out, whatever. And I watched that back and I said, oh my gosh, you were subliminally influenced by um, Julie Louis-Dreyfus. Elaine on Seinfeld. On, um, Elaine, Elaine on uh, Seinfeld. <laughs> and I would just be super obnoxious and so my, so I think that Cordelia's point of view is always like wherever yeah. she is, she's super there. She's 100% present where she is. And it's either this is messed up, this is total bullshit, or, oh my God, we're gonna die, or when yes. can I leave? <laughs> Are we done yet? This isn't about me. You know, and I, I, I often think that like, there's a moment in season three where like, you're only in the episode for like a little bit, it's Buffy's birthday, she's lost her powers, and like Cordelia comes in to the library as her and Giles are like, cry or crying and arguing and like your character is able like i think this is i mean a credit to your acting as well is like she comes in and she's like oh i need a book for a report blah 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 blah. and then she sees buffy's upset she's like is the world ending because i'm not gonna bother if the world's ending and then like she turns and buffy's crying and says cordelia can you drive me home 
And your acting of switching it from like being like, oh, whatever, and to being, oh yeah, of course I will. Like that's, I don't know. I think I like. I feel like that's like such a good moment in early Buffy seasons when like you realize Cordelia very much is like part of the group because she's like not joking. She sees Buffy's upset and is just like, yeah, I'll drive you home. Like I don't know. I think I. I that's like the type of acting. Yeah, that's like the type of dependable. acting that you did with Cordelia that I always thought was so great is being able to in a beat go back to the serious. Yeah, that's really sweet of you to say. And you know, I've never watched Buffy. I've never gone back and watched it. I tried with my son once, like one or two episodes, <laughs> and then he was off in the kitchen, never to be seen again. And I was like, well, that didn't work. And now he's too old and it'll never happen. But, you know, I do see those clips and I, and I love when I get DM'd by the fans and they send like, um, there's this one account, I think it's BTVS Moments. I think that's one of the accounts where they'll do, and they also <laughs> do it in Spanish, which I think you'd appreciate. They'll do a, a screenshot and then they'll do the scene of that screenshot and oh, then cool. the next will be in Spanish. And I just think it's so well done. And I love the scene choices that they make. And, and I think that at one point was a scene that I did see on that account. And, um, and, I, and I have to say, mm -hmm. I, I'm really proud of that scene. And, and I think what the way you explain it, um, it is true and, and, and I'm grateful and I'm just also grateful that you appreciate it, but also that a scene like that was written so that you can be, um, you can get into Cordelia and you can accept her, yeah. you know, for who she is, which yeah. is yeah. a and like, I, I, Yeah, there's just, you know, and we just went through, um, we finished Angel season one for the podcast. And like, I will say, you are definitely the thing that makes that season, like, some of it's a little like, they're right, they're like, plots are a little rough, but like, I, I've been saying this doing the podcast. I think you and James Marsters both have the benefit of you guys are such good actors. You have chemistry with everyone you have a scene with. So like, if there's like a stupid throwaway character for the episode that like, you know, you know, is only going to be there for a plot. Once it's like, oh, they're talking to Cordelia. Then it's like, oh, well now I'm more interested. Cause like you would bring, yeah. Like you would bring it what and it would just be like, next? make it so much more enjoyable. <laughs> oh, thank you. You know, that first season um, was interesting because it was uh, obviously Cordelia was now uh, higher up on the totem pole and I did have to yep. uh, have more responsibility. But one of the things that was, I don't know if people watching kind of picked up on, the first season is really guest star driven. So if you were guest starring on our show, the, the, that episode really does uh you know, uh, put your performance on a platform yep. and it's, yep. you know, you have the ability to serve. And so either you fall flat or you don't, but like that was one of the greatest things for people that were coming in on the show. If you were trying to yeah. make a name for yourself, like I think Jeremy Renner was even on the show. Like those, those, those episodes were strictly guest star driven, you know, the, the episodes were, um, used to, uh, provide Angel right, with yeah. the mission, which is the premise of the show, and then their relationship hit, you know, between Angel and the guest star. And so a lot of the scenes were about the guest star. And I really yeah. don't enjoy that as much. And I don't know, you know, this is not, you know, I'm not a writer and they're all geniuses and not to take anything apart from them. But what I find more interesting is when I watch a show where the characters yes. are interacting more with each other, where we understand their relationship yeah. um, with each other. I think that makes um, it more interesting for the audience 
And also yeah. for the series regulars, you know, like we, we get to know more about the backstory of Gunn. We get to learn more about the backstory of, you know, um, Andy, Andy Hallett's character, Lauren. And, you know, I just he, always find that more interesting. Like I wanted to know more about Elaine. I wanted to know more. I think that's what one of the things that was so exciting about Seinfeld is that you really get inside their brain. So Charisma, when I start my Seinfeld them. podcast, you're gonna guess that is what you're saying. <laughs> I love Seinfeld. Okay. It just was really, it was just really like, I didn't get to watch a lot of television, but leading up into those shows, you know, Friends yeah. and Seinfeld were already on the air. And those were like my dates, right? Like, the, you know, my schedule revolved around those shows. So I, you know, like most people had my show and I would be home for it to watch. And so then I got to be on these shows, Buffy and Angel, and I didn't realize that impact and and how informed some of those scenes um, that on those other shows would impact the scenes that I was acting in. Um, you, you and that know was a revelation is, um, for me. Oh, hi, Dylan. Um, Tatiana Maslany, who was She-Hulk, she actually said Elaine from Seinfeld was one of her biggest influences acting-wise. Yeah, and I like I love that like someone oh, really? playing like a superhero character yeah. is still influenced by like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, you know, it's funny. A little side note: I was in the elevator of the building, and Julia Louis Dreyfus was seeing the seamstress on the first level, and I was in the elevator. I don't know where she was going, and I was in the elevator with her, and I was like on these shows, and I was wanted to squeeze so bad. And I think I <laughs> may have managed a hello. <laughs> and um, she didn't seem very warm. And I was like, God, bless it. Don't lie. You know, like, I was like, no. Um, never meet your heroes. But, he, but here I am. But, you know, right. we're all entitled to have our day. She didn't know, you know, nothing. No, no. No judgment, but like I was a little bit bummed that yeah. she wasn't that bubbly Elaine like person. Like she was a real person, <laughs> a real mom with like nine hundred things to do, and you know, in her head, you know, I'm sure. But um, you know, is it is there ever like, like is there like a a way to be like I'm also on it, or is it just like you? If, no, yeah. <laughs> oh no, never. <laughs> no, you cannot. And I remember my sister in law. My sister in law Kim. Um, when we were, when I was on the shows and we were younger, she wanted to go see, she wanted to go see a band or a light, something, I don't know who it was. And she's like, go to the front and tell them who you are. Just say, don't you know who I'm like, are you out of your mind? Like the last thing you want to do, right? And she's like, it's so Cordelia, they're going to expect you to do it anyway. And I'm like, no, I'm never going to do that. Like, honestly, you know, it's it's funny. Your your family, they want you to like do that thing and get them in and leverage yours. <laughs> like, what's the point of you being famous if you're not gonna love you? you know, like Kim is probably more when I was than um I when I lived in New York, so I interned at BuzzFeed for a while and me and my roommates were oh. looking for a new apartment, right? And they this realtor was like very grumpy New York older woman realtor, right? Like she didn't give a shit about anything. Right. And they were like, Tell her you work at BuzzFeed. And I was like, I don't think she's gonna care. And so my one roommate was like, well, you know, Ian works at BuzzFeed. And she went, what the hell is that? <laughs> I was like, this is why I didn't want us to say that. Yeah, <laughs> we don't care. Yeah, it had the exact yeah. impact you thought it would have. Yeah, that, it's never a win-win. If you have to tell somebody who you are. Because <laughs> like, either they know and they'll be impressed, or if they don't know, they don't give a shit, gross. right? Like, <laughs> it's just gross. It's just gross. Um, so a thing I had been, I mean, I told you I was going to ask you this. Uh, does it ever get like, okay, 
relax with like gay men calling you queen or like mom or any of that? Like, does that ever get like annoying or is it like cute still? No, I, it's very complimentary. It's very sweet. Nobody's <laughs> called me mother. I'm really okay with that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, I think I always thought people called me queen because I mean, queen I think it's both. I think it's both. <laughs> um, it was on the license. I don't think it's because I'm like the queen or a queen. Um, but I'll take it. You know, whatever works. I'm fine with it. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> it could be worse. <laughs> but but yeah, I I I think it's really sweet and it's it's very complimentary. I know that I know the intention. Because I always wonder that, like, you know, if like. <laughs> <laughs> if like if there's an actor who isn't up on gay lingo and i could see them being like what the fuck are you saying you know what i mean like what do you mean like why are you saying mother like what do you like like i could see someone being like just like you know call me charisma you know what i mean but i'm glad it doesn't get like older annoying because like i that's always my fear i'm like we're gonna turn this actor <laughs> like well i mean it's definitely not something you can label yourself or right, campaign yeah. for it's either you are or you aren't and it's not it's a gay community thing so it's like whatever they say it, th like that's what how it goes um but i was i lean into it because of queen c was my character so i love that and um i accept that and i'm honored by that um recently i did a shout out on my con so if people go to mycon.live you can request a meet and greet you can request a shout out and one of the shout out requests that I got was like probably one of the sweetest shout outs I ever got. And she said that they'd met her and her best friend, that the shout out was for her best friend, not for her. And she wanted to cheer a friend up. She was going through a particularly hard time and they had met at a, in a Buffy oh, okay, um, cute. A chat room years ago, 20 years ago or more. And she said, you know, I wanted, I wanted Queen C, I wanted Cordelia Chase to give her, to give this shout out by you because Cordelia was the patron saint to all women who were smart, smart, brave, and capable with heart. And I was like, that That's is really probably nice. the yeah. sweetest thing I've ever heard in my life. So nice. And I, I, um, I mean, how yeah, I, I once asked um, Amber Benson about that. I was like, does it get old? And she was like, it really doesn't. She was like, I really love you know, having the queer community come up to me and like tell me that I was important to them. And I, it was like, oh, yeah. it was when I yeah. worked at BuzzFeed that we, was, I interviewed her for there. Um, and we went out afterwards. And like, once we did a shot together, I was like, all right, well, can I be the gay guy that gushes for a second? She was like, of course you can. And was like, super like sweet about it. No, Amber is like, she probably is one just of my like so ridiculously planet. nice. Like, <laughs> she's awesome really brilliant she's very smart and um and uh and she's you know we we help each other like she encourages me to do things that are brave and to like she she leans into the character the, the characteristic about me that i'm most insecure about and i lean into her and the characteristic that she's most uh, insecure about um for her maybe boundaries are hard because she's so nice you know and she's like how do i say no and not be mean i don't want to hurt people's feelings and then i'll be like you know not trusting my writing or something that i want to do and then she'll be like charisma you've got this you can absolutely do this and so together we sort of um that makes whole, you know like she, that makes sense honestly she's one of my like knowing both people. of you yeah she's done like a couple of things for like with the podcast and like I, I really have lucked out though, honestly. All of you that I've had on for either show, all I can I have nothing bad to say about anyone from the shows. Like all of you have been so you're all very gracious and like I don't know, it feels like most of 
at least the Buffy actors, like, y'all kind of know that, like, the big fan base is, like, LGBTQ folks. Like, it feels like you all know that, you know, like, and I've never had anyone, like, flub or, like, say something inappropriate. You know what I mean? Like, everyone's always, like, pretty well-versed in, like, speaking about the queer community and, like, knowing those are their fans. Like, all of you are just very good at that, I would say, and it's nice. <laughs> I think that um, when I started doing the show, I, you know, none of us knew how we would be received yeah. or to who we would speak, right? So um, you learn with time and reflection. Um, and now we're 25 years in, it's very apparent how the show uh, became a safe place for uh, the LGBT, the LBGTQAI community. So, you know, um, I think because I do so many cons, because yeah. I am so engaged with fans, because I um, would hope to be, you know, the the safe person to have those conversations with that um, you 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 learn and and you appreciate because the show would not be relevant yeah. today if it wasn't yeah, no, for fans, you know. And I feel like. Like you're right, the, L the LBGTQAI community is so embracing of Buffy and Angel and you guys are exceptional people as individuals doing exceptional things out in the world and then you have all this influence and then you make, you you revisit the things that informed you like Evan Ross Katz and you and, and, and all the other people, you know, that do things that are um, pop culture oriented and it, yeah. it keeps it alive, it keeps churning it and, and passing it on and the people that watch pass it on to their kids and you know it's crazy to go to a con and then meet somebody that goes oh um my i named my cat after <laughs> you or i named my daughter after you or you know cordelia or charisma it's just yeah it's just yeah I, humbling i you know i also i don't know if you know i was in evan's book he interviewed me as well for the for his book i like never shut up yeah. about I'm like I'm quoted in the same book as Sam Michelle Geller and Charisma Carpenter. Like if I could put that on a resume, I would. <laughs> um, yeah, when I had um, I don't know if you Jana Spenson who wrote for the show when I had her on, um, and I mentioned that my mom got me into the show. She went, "Oh my God, is the show that old?" And I was like, "No, no, 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 no. My mom was not the demographic. She is 76. Like she was an adult. I was in high school. She just happened to be that. Like my mom watched Charmed and Buffy, um, and she would always say." She, which I feel like you'll appreciate. She would always say, they remind me of Hispanic women because they're all so tough and they don't take shit from men. And that's what my mom liked about like Charmed and Buffy. And I was like that nerd that was it. like, oh, those shows. And then I watched an episode with her and was like, oh wait, I fucking love this shit. Like, <laughs> So she would, she would have been the same age as we were when we were mm. me then maybe no. if she said, no, no, because I'm 50. Um, so, so how old was she when she started watching yeah, so it? She was 25 50s. years old, so she was in her fifties. Um, she'd be my age now. It's so interesting because a lot of, yeah. you know, that would not be the typical demographic, right? That's not. <laughs> so your mom's like super cool and very hip and like imaginative. I think that the people like, I'm, I'm not even kidding. This is not pandering at all. I think anybody who watches shows has the best taste in television because they are so well-written. It, it really does touch on universal um, feelings and themes about belonging, about connection, about death, about, um, you know, being brave, about conquering your fears, about 
um, adulting, you know, doing the thing that you least want to do, but you have to do it because you have responsibilities and you have to. Um, I think that those are sort of the things that keep the show alive and make the show so relevant today and uh, appeal to such right. a wide group of people, not just a singular demographic. Um, but, you know, to be right. honest, like it's predominantly the younger people, but but, you know, it's right. wonderful for me to hear that, you know, an unlikely demographic, you know, of a 50 year old woman watching it when it first came out. It's like, obviously, she's in tune. She gets it. And, you know, how lucky for you to have a mom like that. Must have felt good. You know, to feel understood yeah, and seen I, like, and, you know. My mother makes sense that she has a day son. I will say, like, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. It does. But I mean, in your culture, it's very difficult, looked, isn't it? Like being, I looked being out gay with that charisma. The, my, that her mother, when they moved here from Puerto Rico, was a hairdresser. So she just made a bunch of gay friends. And so like my grandma would talk to me about her gay friends growing up. And like, you know, growing up, I don't think I knew, like, I was just like, oh, like, I think I thought of it as, as like, oh, the, our family's Puerto Rican and those, those people were gay. Like, I didn't know what that meant. But to my grandma, it was just, those were right. her gay friends, you know, like, and she would talk about how she'd go out with them after work right. and whatever. And so like, she always normalized it. Whereas, whereas my dad's family, they yeah. are the exact opposite. My dad's like very white and right. they're very like Trump supporty on that side. So it's like a weird, like, oh. it's like whiplash going from one family to the other. Yeah. And like, yeah, I don't know. It just, it, it made it, it did make it easier. The fact that like my, even my grandma and like when I came out, my grandma was like, yeah, your mom told me I cooked. Do you also want to eat? And like, that was it. And she was like, you know, I think like 75 when I came out. So like to her, it was just like, okay, whatever. Um, and like, that's yeah. lucky. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like, you know, if, if I had a gay son, you know, part of me, right. I'm yeah. happy that my son is who he is. That's most important, right? So, but if I did have a gay son, it would just, or a gay daughter for that matter, um, you know, I, I, it would, I would probably have the same reaction. I, I just feel, um, yeah, it doesn't I, matter. I, <laughs> you know, right. just, why does it have to be an issue? I was, like, was going to say, it just, uh, but but it is and it does and it, it it does have to be an issue today because there are rights being taken away and so it's very important to um, to acknowledge that there are people that are not fitting into that you know particular right box of white Christian it's you know, it's actually funny my conservative grandma I mean funny my conservative grandma she's turning a hundred and like she is for she. It's like, she's, wow. she's like pretty much all there, but like there are things she forgets just cause you know, she's turning a hundred. Charisma, she has somehow forgotten that I'm gay. <laughs> and I'm like, whatever, she's a hundred. I'm not gonna like, you know, whatever, that's fine. And, but like now I've become right. her. Why? What yes. You say? Why aren't you married yet? Where? <laughs> and like, she, oh gosh. Wait, I mean, you could still be married she, and you can still have children. asked my parents why I couldn't so... find a nice girl because I'm so handsome. <laughs> I was like, Mom, did you remind her? She was like, Ian, am I, what, what do you want me? I was like, no, you don't have to. I don't care. Like, <laughs> I don't want to, like, give her a heart attack. I mean, I would have totally been like, Mom, you're gay, remember? <laughs> but I've become her favorite now that she's forgotten that I'm gay. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'll take it, whatever. Because <laughs> she, like, there's, like, two things Aww. that she remembers that, like, when they visited, I'll take her out to lunch, whatever. And she's a little frail looking. So I'll give her my arm because I notice, like, I don't know if you have this in your family. Like sometimes with older family members, the ones that are 
for like the the younger the the kids who are like my parents do a little helicoptering and i can tell it annoys them like they'll be like oh my god they'll be so worried that like grandma's gonna fall or whatever that they like almost like infantilize her so i try to be like oh i'll give you my arm but really i'm doing it because i don't want her to fall right but she remembers that that's like the thing she remembers like that ian gave me his arm when we went out to lunch oh what a charming man well also that speaks to her generation right Right. like that's what gentlemen would do yeah listen i knew what i was doing i knew how i know how to charm an old lady (laughs) i worked i have no doubt I feel charmed. And Charisma, I, I am 40. Though. We are not that much different in age. <laughs> um, I also wanted to talk about how fucking good your hair always looked. Uh, how do you, like, I am impressed all the time that, like, even now on the live, your hair looks fucking fantastic. On Buffy, your hair always looked great. What is, like, do you have a routine or is it just, my hair is just naturally like this? <laughs> well, thank you, number one. Uh it's funny that you say that because I think, I think it changed like every season. Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't have, I, I mean, I was just, this is the hair that I was given <laughs> and you know, yay. <laughs> um, it's very cooperative. It's very helpful. It, you know, retains curl. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Seriously. Where's my hair commercial? <laughs> Seriously. Where? Where's my hair? I have a girlfriend named Allison, and Allison is always saying that to me, so it's really sweet. Um, it's a bit long right now. I'm actually in a moment trying to figure out what do I want to do with it. And then, you know, there is a side of me that just fully wants to embrace, like, if the gray comes in, just do the gray. Because I have this, I grew up in Vegas, and I was around, like, a lot of indigenous people like not a lot but like it, it's yeah, a big yeah. part of our culture like turquoise living there not yeah our culture yeah. but in, in nevada there, there are aspects of nevada that are very country and you know earthy and grounded and um and i, I feel like i'm a little bit hippie um in my in myself i love turquoise so i always imagine having like long gray hair and turquoise and denim shirts and like even you know pearls mixed in too like all the things um but everybody's like god no do not let your hair go gray but i mean i i uh, there will come a time when i am totally gray and i will have long gray hair i i I think so um but i'm at a place where it's a bit (laughs) down there it is really long so i i'm kind of trying to figure out i'm going back to la in march to work on a project and um, uh, I, I'm gonna go see my my guy out there, Robert Ramos, and I'm gonna ask him what I should do. Like, should I cut it off? I mean, is it too long? At what age do you, you know, like there's an age and how long your hair should be? I don't know. This is so superficial. It's such a silly topic, but thank you. I will say <laughs> I have I have an older relative that she has like the, I thought she was bleaching her hair and she was like, oh no, you can't tell in pictures, but my hair went gray. It's just my gray is white. And I, I think it looks great on her. And she's, she's older than you. She's I like 55 or 60, but it looks fucking fantastic on her. It really does. Um, and like some people can just like rock it and look hot, right? Yeah. I don't know if I'm that person. I'm not there yet. You know, there's so much discussion around age and women and, you know, being on natural yeah. or, you know, nipping and tucking or Botoxing, injecting, you know, all the different things. And 
I just think that I will, my internal compass will always prevail. So whatever it is that I'm feeling comfortable doing, I will do when I'm ready to do it. But at this point in time, I am absolutely not going to go gray. Well, I don't have enough gray to do it, but I I am (laughs) getting silver and I'm like, what? But um, so I'm in recovery. I get a little, I I have a spray. Thank you for being honest and keeping me here at this place. Thank you. Um, and then, you know, uh, in terms of like nipping and tucking, like I'm really, I'm fine with doing Botox and whoever wants to do Botox or filler to more power to you, whatever makes you feel good. Right. But, um, I'm afraid of the knife. I'm really afraid of the knife. I'm just so afraid that it would, um, alter my appearance in such a way that I wouldn't be able to go back. And I I just, you know, it's a very big thing to trust and it's permanent. And once you've done it, it's like, there's no, you know, with injectables you can like, or fillers or whatever you can dissolve or you can make it not permanent. Right. So I think that's kind of what I like is like, there'll come a time when I'll (laughs) just be like, I don't, I can't can't be bothered. Like this is it, you know? You know, I think, Um, I think you had reposted this on your Instagram story too. I like really appreciated what Madonna said. Did you, you saw that, right? I think you reposted it. Um, it like, well, what part it was like the, the said, most recent like, statement she put out how she was like, I was so excited to introduce like the first out trans woman with the award. And yet people are talking about how I looked and like my surgery and blah, blah, blah. And like how misogynist that is. And I, you know, I don't, I feel like uh, you and I can understand. I, I don't know. I always have a respect for Madonna. Like I'm not her biggest fan, but I always at least respect her at the baseline. I respect her and I don't forget how much she did for the gay community, especially in the eighties. She was like one of the only people talking about it, being very frank. Oh, yeah. um, so like, I feel, and you know, no, no hate at all to anyone, but I feel like sometimes a younger, younger queer generation maybe doesn't realize how much she like did help us back in the day. So like, I'm always like, just don't make fun of how she looks. Like you can be like, I don't like this song or whatever, but I don't like when people comment on like people's appearances. You know, unless it's to be like, oh, I like that thing you're wearing or, you know, me being like, your hair looks great. Like, I would never be like, oh, why did you wear that? You know, I just, I'm like, what's the fucking point of that? Right. Well, I think, I think there's a a standard that is a patriarchal standard, right? That we've all been exposed to and grew up with, especially your age and my age. And I think what I've had to check Mm -hmm. is my own internalized misogyny, my own internalized standard that was created by the society of the patriarchy right so it's it happens a lot it happens a lot um and even even commenting on appearances altogether in the workplace is just not acceptable it's not supposed to be a thing anymore and um and people are like why can't i say somebody looks greater because ultimately it shouldn't matter but it does you know we it's it's a fact of life. We're going to warm ourselves to somebody who's more attractive than not. I mean, that's just, you look at children. They're, you know, the way they gravitate yeah. or, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's the humanity of it. But we have to evolve our personalities and our thought processes around those natural prejudices. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's we have a long way to go there. And I, I really do want to embrace anybody that wants to go about 
it, it may not be the choice I would make, but everybody is allowed to make those choices for themselves. And whether you're Paulina Parfkova, who refuses to do anything and just really wants to champion seeing more women her age do the natural route, go gray, don't do Botox, don't get a facelift. Yeah. Like, why do we have to continue perpetrating, you know, the same uh, uh, patriarchal view of in beauty standards, right? Why do we have to do that? And then there's also this whole other side of the group that goes like, why do we want to let ourselves go? Why can't, right. and why is it considered letting yourself go? I don't really have the answer. I'm open to having the conversation. I just do, you know, that's what I try to do. I like, you know, I'm talking to you about it, but I'm like, <laughs> I'm like social media. I'm just like, let me just stay out of this. Cause I feel the same way you do. It's like, I don't have the answer, but I try just not to take part in it right because it's easy not to be right. an asshole so, like no it's wrong like the only thing that i think is wrong is uh, you know it, it, it starts to be divisive and you're a part of two camps you become a right. camp that's like pro plastic surgery and whatever you want to do and then you get the pro like oh if you're doing right. plastic surgery then you're less than and you're not as evolved or you're not as accepting of yourself or you're there's a judgment around that and i think i feel in the center which is if you want to do plastic surgery and that's your jam, then do that. And if you, I don't want to feel from other women that they're going to jump on me because I yeah. chose to do, get my eyes done or inject my lips or um, do Botox in my forehead. I don't want to feel like the, I don't want to feel judged. I want, I, especially by my own gender, yeah. you know, like why are women attacking other women and, and judging them? Like we have enough judgment already can we all be together like listen <laughs> oh my god i'm such a hippie and not realistic it's just not we're gonna always we're gonna always have judgment and people are gonna always say their piece and we just have to have the um charisma you sound like me when i talk about it. like the gay community because like i don't know if you saw when the movie bros came out there was a lot of like uh it was very polarizing and i'm very like the the billy eichner rom, rom gay rom-com yeah it's came called out like a few months ago. bros oh, came out no, a few I months ago um see it yeah uh but i know who it was like is. it was him and luke mcfarlane and there was a bunch of like like deborah messing makes a cameo as herself um so like if i made that movie you would be making a cameo as yourself <laughs> when i make my gay rom-com um and like it was cute it was funny but like people were so like mean about it because they didn't like him or like whatever and they're like oh look like billy eichner his movie flopped and i'm like but it's a gay rom-com like it doesn't have to be groundbreaking it can just be we don't have to like want to bring it down because you think he's annoying or whatever you know i feel very like don't do that oh yeah oh i did not know there was any controversy about it but what's interesting about that is there's not a lot yeah. of rom-coms about two gay men and yeah isn't that revolutionary <laughs> It, do you understand how difficult it is to get a movie made? Right. Like, do you know how hard that is? Um, so can we champion that? You know, like it celebrates, it's, you know, you know, so often the Gina Davis Institute, which really talks about representation. If we are, if, can we just champion the fact that there's rep representation? Like we have it on TV. There's like, what, one? Like there's yeah. just not a lot of representation for the gay community. So like, why are we Charisma. tearing that down? <sighs> I'm so glad that we're doing this and becoming best friends because you're so fucking right. And it makes me nuts that people don't understand that. But I do wonder if it's maybe because of our generation, of our gen but like of our generation growing up, like we knew that we know that there wasn't any of that. You know what I mean? Like on TV, it was like, 
will and grace and that was it right right yeah. well there still isn't there's not a lot of representation there's not enough you know um you know that whole thing there was a commercial not a commercial but there there was um there there was a commercial that was on tv and it was like um uh it was a black rapunzel you know and yeah yeah that's rapunzel is like a german-based fair child right and you know everybody is like you know i live in uh, the midwest and um yeah. not a lot of progressive here and the whole opinion is like why are we why yeah. we've swung too far to incorporate it's too progressive like you know why am i seeing all this color like they only make up <laughs> and i'm like going oh my god do you understand how important representation is you know if that one little girl is watching the tv and sees her reflection like that means that all things are possible for her too and if you're living in a whitewashed world and you're a yeah. black person that's oppression and we have to understand that and that goes for the gay community that goes for yeah. you know the trans community for any community right. that feels right. that yeah. is marginal. No, yeah, that and like is marginal. I feel like if, so. If you're in the suburbs again now, I that's where I am now, and I was in New York for ten years. Isn't it so like moving back there after being away for so long, being like, oh right, this is what it's like in the suburbs. Like people, like I assume that everyone's like a progressive and like kind of has the same views. And then I talk to people, I'm like, oh shit, no, they do not. <laughs> You know, it's so interesting because I went to I went to dinner with my mm. parents and my brother was visiting and we went to we went to support a neighbor. They yeah. opened a new place. So we went to go hang out and the bartender uh, had her daughter sitting at a table, a little kid's table coloring while she finished her shift. Right, yeah, yeah. I don't know how long that little girl was there for. This little girl, she was like a, a beautiful little black girl and she was like curious about our table and kind of leaning over and leaning in or whatever. And my dad's like, Oh, you're so pretty. And, <laughs> and, and I was like, dad, and, um, and you know, I'm kind of like that annoying kid. Um, and I'm like trying to, you know, and then there was another thing that my dad said, it was something along the lines of like, you know, you're prettier than your mom. And, and I was like, dad, what are you saying? And then, my, and then my stepmom's like, wait what did yeah. he say that's wrong and so then but it was such a sweet thing that she even asked me but i know like she was like annoyed because i'm like picking right. on my dad because my dad's just being my dad he's seven years old I, i'm not going to change him there's no wokeness about like whatever that means but you know there's just yeah. um that conversation right where you're going why is that not okay to comment on her being a pretty little girl? Doesn't everybody want to be complimented and be told they're pretty? And I just said, sure. I said, but what we're trying to strive for today, especially with little girls, is to comment, and even little boys, is to comment on, even when we're raising our children, is to comment on the work effort and their character, you know, how, Gosh, I, that was really kind of you and so thoughtful of you to do yeah. that. Or, you know, we comment on those things rather than the way they look, which they have no control over, right? We have no control over how we look um, <laughs> unless you do surgery. But the point is, is that, you know, we want to comment on that stuff and then, okay, that was fine. And then like, okay, why is it comment? Right. Why is it a problem to comment on the daughter and the mother? And I said, because there, 
there is so it engenders yeah. competition among women based on looks which is a superficial thing and nobody has any control over and if we're putting a, creating a hierarchy that's patriarchy and we're trying to get away from the patriarchy and what this beauty standard that is identified by blah 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 right so we this we don't also we don't want to create right yeah no <laughs> and daughters you know what i mean like why why does this little girl have to grow up thinking that uh, I, you know, I, I'm in competition with right. her. Why isn't it, why are we engendering, you know, you know and love like, and I, I appreciate that you're also the like liberal buzzkill with your family. Cause I am too. <laughs> I mean, they're over it. I, I imagine what they say about me. Like, yeah, I'm and like, they're probably to, like, oh, so glad Ian isn't here to like, tell us what we're saying wrong, but like. <laughs> wrong, right? And I don't want to make people there, feel like that. But there, like, I had to have a talk with my parents about my, because my nephew is, oh, Jesus, he's eight, I think, or nine. Um, and they'll be like, oh, look, he's flirting with that pretty little girl. I'm like, don't say that. Like, he's he's just a kid. He's just like having, being, having fun with his friends. And they're like, oh, well, he's going to marry a pretty blonde girl. He likes, and I'm like, that's weird. Like, we don't. It's so, so Matt TV that something on his account that he would say, like, everybody is all these um, you know, conservatives right. are worried about sexualization of the LGBTQAI community and the binary and the trans and, blah, blah. and it's like, well, right. I'm kind of sexualizing. <laughs> Aren't you exactly doing the same thing? Literally, I was going to say, yeah, these so that's like acceptable that's terms, okay. you yeah. know? Um, yeah, I've had to do that. And like my, there was once, I, I've never been more proud to be the liberal buzzkill though, charisma than at my aunt's birthday party my nephew at the time, I want to say he was like six or five. She had, they had gotten her like a tiara. It was her 75th. He wanted to put it on and my aunt was holding him and she went, no, that's for girls and looked at me because I knew, I feel like she could feel me. And she like looked at me and I was like, you know what I'm going to say? And so then she looked back at him and was like, okay, anyone can wear it if you want to wear it. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> and I tweet, oh, I God. tweeted that shit. And I had so many people being I'm like, oh, this is a lie. This didn't happen. I was like, what? Yeah, like I don't know what people were mad about. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent happened. Yeah, I mean, it, it. I just one of the the hardest things for me is um, having an idea of what justice should look like. Having an idea about yeah. what what how it should be, how it should be in general, right? And being an acceptance that the way I see the world and what I think it yeah. should be like is not what everybody else thinks. And it's very hard for me to then not come across judgmental also, right? Like, and I don't want to do that. And I don't want my dad to feel shame and I don't want to shame him. And I right. don't want my stepmom to be like, <laughs> you're such a pain in the ass. Like I can't take you anywhere without us, you making us feel like we're wrong. And I don't want my family to feel like that either. And I don't know what the answer is per se, not at this moment, but I think maybe it is maybe not volunteering that After, information yeah. in the moment, maybe having a discussion later uh, privately or, or, or something and just say, you know, dad, I just want to talk to you about this thing that happened. And, you know, I just think that my impulse in right. that moment is to correct it, you know, and um, that's <laughs> right. annoying. We are, I'm but annoying. I don't know what to um, do about it. I, I think, to a certain degree, it's arrogant um, as well. And I just have to keep it in track and add, keep it on, you know, I just, yeah, it's just really hard. It's just really hard to like see an injustice or to, to try to see a, a pro, like 
you know, I never, you never know what is going to impact a person or a child and you want to immediately remedy a situation. And I wish there were things that I knew when I was raising my yeah. son that I know today that I didn't then. And the things that I implemented that in retrospect yeah. were probably more damaging. You know, like I remember like the nanny was such a big deal with like the go sit in your naughty corner or whatever, or the naughty step or the naughty circle or whatever the naughty thing was. And, or, you know, the timeout thing. And, you know, I just really wish I was less interested in discipline and more interested in the conversation about why this yeah. is um, hurtful, you know? And I feel like, like in a way, I still haven't bridged that gap in, in my personality and in, in dealing with things that I, think need adjusting. It's like, I don't want to make Donovan wrong. I didn't mean to make Donovan wrong and I don't want to make my dad wrong. Um, so I just have to, it, I think it's it really always, is, a, I guess, a balance. the delivery. Like sometimes I will try to remind myself to pick my battles with family. Like I'm like, right, but like you do. I'm gonna pick all the battles <laughs> at once. <laughs> Bring it on, fill the cup, let's go. I'm gonna do a shot and then I'm gonna tell everyone what they did wrong. Like, <laughs> so arrogant right like it's just it's really um it's, and it's hard it's like to look you, at. you are i know you are like at. me you're, you're very online so it's like hard because it's like we interact i mean i guess i i'm sure you have people that are not so nice about it but we interact mostly with people that like have the same values as us and kind of like are mostly i don't oh really i think I've, I've realized that I have, and I don't know why they follow me, but I have a lot of conservative followers. A lot of Trumpers follow me. A lot of pro-lifers follow me. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why, because yeah. I pretty much rail all the time um, against all of this stuff, um, which I'm grateful that I have the ability to do that. Um, but, you know, I also think yeah. that there are costs to that, you know, in my industry um oh she's too me too or she's too time's up or right, she's too yeah. lbgtqai or she's too this too that um too too yeah yeah <laughs> too much of a loud mouth or whatever she's like too much just too much and um i have a friend that also you know shout out to alex he's always reminding me you know the world needs you the world needs people like you to be too much. You know, you're not too much. You're just right, you know, and paraphrasing. But, you know, I appreciate that. You know, I appreciate that because um, I don't know how else to be right. than to be authentically myself. And, you know, if people want to unfollow and yeah, hate on me, I, then they I, every It Whatever. doesn't happen that often, but every once in a while I do randomly get. And I don't imagine how, again, like I, how you could watch Buffy or Angel and like, Right? Like, oh, well, Cordelia would hate you. Buffy would hate you. Every woman on all of these shows would hate you. Uh, but I had someone who, like, once was really mad at me during lockdown, and they were like, uh, you're getting too political for a podcast that's about Buffy. And I was like, I don't know what show you watched, but, like, it was always political. And he was like, no, it never was. And I was like, I don't even know what, like, right? Like, I don't, then I don't know what to tell you if you right. don't think it wasn't at least, right? Like, wasn't, didn't have a point of view totally yeah i mean there are universal themes and i think that's the magic of um tv and film and you know again like the gina davis institute talks about like the best way to bring about conversation between 
you know, um, the LBGTQAI community and their parents or to bring about conversation about abortion or to bring about, you know, it's telling stories that are impactful yeah. and there's messaging behind it. I mean, that is a hundred percent our shows. I, I'm always shocked. I, I had a friend that used to, um, he was an artist for X-Men and he said, he would say the same thing that he was always shocked that like, there were conservative X-Men fans, because like X-Men is all about like a group of people that like aren't accepted by society and like right? the I, yeah, they're like, yeah, with the put elitist. the X-Men in jail. Yeah. It's Hunger Games for the elitists. <laughs> um, before I let you go, let me see. We have some questions. Let me look at them. It's so hard not to correct and to come from a place of understanding. Yeah. I mean, we can scroll or um, correct. Clothing has no gender. <laughs> what was expressed? so eloquently i don't know if amanda's still in the room but maybe she can say something. oh i don't know what we were talking about greg is here so hi greg prisma and i were talking about you the other day i said how i was like oh my god we have the same we have a friend in common Gregory <laughs> yeah yeah he's here he's here <laughs> he just said x-men truly was the gay experience <laughs> oh i love that how the hell did you hi, Gregory. that's so random i love him clubhouse <laughs> <laughs> we met on Clubhouse. Is that still going or is that like not going anymore? Um, you know, for mm. me personally, I'm barely ever on it. Um, I mean, I haven't been on it in, in forever, but the people oh, that cool. I met there, I'm still in touch with. So it was like a positive experience for me. Um, and I still do tune in because there's like, I watch TED Talks a lot and I watch and I follow entrepreneurs um, you know, I have notifications when an entrepreneur will come in on and talking about startups. And um, I, I think it's a great platform. And you know how Twitter ended up incorporating yeah. Yeah. a clubhouse vibe. You know, so obviously, it, it, you know, it, it was original, you know, it was an original platform. It was an original thing. Yeah. And people yeah. love technology, right? Um, so Curly says representation is so important in validating. Yeah, uh, we actually just got a few Do you want to read a couple? The, um, when you look back on your okay, character, perfect. Cordelia, what makes you most happy about getting to play her? From Alexander J. Hi, Alexander J. Uh, what makes me, what am, okay, um, most excited to have played her. Well, I think the storyline for her, just the arc of the character was so vast and so, um, you know, one of the things that I, 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 I'm not, I'm preaching to the choir, I know you all know this, but as an actor to be able to do kind of like, to be scared and to do comedy and then to cry or be touching or do special effects or fight, you know, that was a show that basically you got to use all of your training as an actor. You get to um, really hone those skills and it really was a wonderful, way to or training ground you know for all of those things so i think that playing cordelia in that sense gave me that's a sharpened tool that's really nice i like that um i i do feel like you guys like i'm surprised y'all aren't in marvel movies honestly because you guys got to do all that shit before there were like marvel movies of like the action and then the funny and then the crying and then like everything all at once and i always feel like those shows spoiled me for that because the credit i give is Yes, the writing was also great, but also great writing could be poorly acted, right? Like, and so a good combination of both is what made it so great, I think, is like, oh, you can have like good writing and then the good acting, because I've definitely seen things that are well-written where it's like, ooh, or like good actors doing what they can with like crappy material, you know? Um, 
And I think that's why I always say like the Buffy show spoiled me because I'm always, that's what I want out of everything. Um, and I don't, I don't, we don't get that that often. Yeah. I think it was very, I think Veronica Mars after Cordelia, after Buffy and Angel, I think Veronica Mars probably for me personally starring in that show as well for a season was the next best thing on par in terms of wit and, and stuff. But, you know, it didn't yeah. have the fighting. It didn't, you know, do all the special effects. It just, you know, uh, you know, being able to wield a sword and a crossbow and, you know, stake a vampire and deliver funny lines and then be touching and all of that yeah. stuff. It, it just hasn't happened since. And it really is kind of <laughs> to have peaked so soon. <laughs> it's kind of hard. It's kind of difficult to still, you know, well, cope you with. know, it's funny that you brought up Veronica Mars because that's also one of my favorite shows. And I, I did like that you got to have, it was like, you thought she was just the mean stepmom, but then there was like more to her. And I was always so bummed that they killed you off. <laughs> you mean naked? I was so, I was so bummed they killed you a off. A lot of was naked. It? it was the beginning of season three, wasn't it? I don't remember. I don't know. Um, but I, I loved it. Um, I think I got to, I think I was working off of, I don't know how you pronounce his name properly, but is it Jason Behe? Um, he, he's now on like that, Chicago PD. So it's kind of, he plays the gravelly voice detective on Chicago which I actually ended up being on also um but you know working with him and watching um Californication with him he was so outstanding I really it's really funny to have been able to be on shows that had these other actors that went on to do bigger bigger and better not necessarily yeah. better but like you know, they exploded as stars, you know, before. It's just kind of interesting, you know, um, Amanda Seyfried was so, on- yeah. um, Seyfried, I don't know. her name yeah. right? Seyfried. She was on Veronica Mars, you know? You know, mean girl and then I, goes on and- I made my, my one ex, we went through Buffy and Angel and then we were going through Veronica Mars. And I, Veronica Mars, I didn't realize, cause like, I, I love that show, but I just don't know it as well as like Buffy and Angel. I didn't realize there was so many famous people on Veronica Mars too. Jessica Chastain, like so, what? So many famous people. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, really I find that so like it? fun to just like, and, um, oh, there's that person that like is now wildly famous. I know, like, oh, I oh my God, I don't remember that that was that person. Um, that, that is fascinating. And I also really, um, I really have to hand it to those, the, those castmates, um, those cast members of Veronica Mars. I had never really been on a show <laughs> with such well-adjusted people, humans, you know, that are already very young people having a tremendous amount of success, but already mm -hmm. instituting give back. I really was impressed by that. Some of this stuff, I, I remember being on Buffy and being really kind of bogged down with, what am I gonna do with this influence? What am I gonna yeah. do? Like, I've always wanted to be a part of what? And I always thought it was like burn, like like a burn victim unit or something like that. I, I just like, what would be the worst possible thing that, you know, I, but I think those things kind of came to me naturally and organically. I work with the Rona Thompson Foundation with Maya Thompson, whose son passed away from neuroblastoma four days before his third birthday. So by sheer organic uh, connection that obviously, yeah. because it has to be that way. It can't be something that gives, it has to be something that you're touched by, right? Or else there's no passion or, authenticity behind it and then the thirst project which is like a huge thing for me too bringing safe clean drinking water around the world and you know water yeah. is not a privilege it's a human right and so i think that those two things kind of made life better for me but those kids on veronica mars were 
already in tune so early in their careers. And I just was so impressed with them. I've, I've li literally never, I, I think that's what's so, in, you know, it gives me great confidence in the new generations coming up because in my son's generation and, and, and so on, because there are yeah. really good, good kids that are being forced to be political and become influential influencers and really do leverage their popularity in positive ways. You know, and no, I'm just I, so in awe. This is that. like a tiny version of that, but like I was working at Barnes and Noble for the last five years. I just recently got out of retail again. Uh, but like I started an LGBTQYA section for the young adult like books because I would get a lot of like younger like teens and uh -huh. kids asking. And I just I know a lot of I've had a lot of authors on the podcast. So I was like, I asked my boss, I was like, can I just make a section? And he was like, Yeah, if you want to. It was all me, and like those kids were so cool. There was this little, like this little, like tiny queer girl who came up to me, and she was like, "Can I?" And she looked me up and down, so cute. She's dressed like a little old dad, and she went, "Oh wait, you're gay. You're I can talk to you about gay stuff." And I was like, "Yes, you can." And she was like, "Great. I want to ask you for some gay books." And like she's like this like tiny fourteen year old queer girl, and was like very confident. And at the end of our conversation, I was like you know, you're really cool. I like how confident and smart you are. She went, I know, thanks. <laughs> and I was like, I love this. <laughs> and like, I once had Inspiring. these two girls, I was so mad. They came up to me, they were like, just so you know, there's a lady that came up to us while we were in the LGBTQ section that said she was gonna pray for us so we didn't go to hell. And I was like, <gasps> and I got furious. And they were like, oh, don't get too mad. She's just an idiot. And like, they like, didn't care. They were like, oh, she's stupid. And I was like more upset than they were. <laughs> than they you know were. I mean? That's right, incredible. right. That is well like, to be kids. able to be like, yeah, she's crazy. But like, whatever. I, I think I would have been way more sensitive when I was like 16 or 17. <laughs> I know. I got some questions here that I didn't realize I had. Um, what, okay, so Power of Action wrote, was there ever talk of you turning to Buffy for a guest spot? Oh, no, I did not. I was I never did any crossover work. Um, Ultimate J2DT said, what do you think about Margot on The Magicians being sort of a more unrestrained Cordelia case? So, yeah, she's a, uh, uh, she's a co-host on my, my Magicians is from that show. It's a key I got with my best friend. Uh, Summer Bischel is one of the co-hosts on my podcast, and The Magicians, it's wild charisma. It's like, it was a five-season sci-fi show, very good, very well acted. It reminded me of Buffy if Buffy had been written by women and gay men. Like, that's basically like, <laughs> right. Um, Why didn't they call And I me? had like, there was a day when Rude. I was watching it, I was stoned, and I was like, I bet someone on this show is a big Buffy fan. And I like searched the, the showrunner, Sarah Gamble, who also does You!, is a huge Buffy fan. And she said the magicians, like she was influenced by Buffy and Summer Bischel played Margot and as she's been on our angel coverage and she's always like, it is wild how much my character was inspired by Cordelia. Like it's so obvious. Um, and she definitely has like your energy too. Like she's like very, very good. Well, now <laughs> I have to watch that. <laughs> um, Charisma, what was it like reunited with Allison Hannigan in season four of Angel on, in season four of Angel? Oh, it was fun. Um, do you have a favorite Cordelia Chase line? I have so many favorite lines by Cordelia. Uh, I don't need the, f I don't need the fringe vote um, when she was <laughs> um, running for homecoming queen. 
Uh, that's just, just propaganda is founded out by the ugly and less deserving. That's I'm glad to know you've seen the softer side of Sears. Um, ew. Um, I love that you know these. I love that you know them. Um, how did you manage to keep Cordelia's core personality throughout such a profound character? Because she's me. Cordelia, fact, Cordy had the best character growth in the Buffyverse. So I think that's an interesting, and I always thought that too. And then I remember when Wesley first showed up on Angel season one, she, he was like this bumbling idiot and the axe was in the wall and he was doing all this physical comedy. And then he turned into this rogue, and, rogue demon hunter and then he turned into an intellectual and then he turned into a badass and he was grumpy and mean and, and, and sadistic. And then Warwick, like, he too had a lot of growth. I think to be fair, a lot of us grew a lot. Yeah, um, I think. Yeah, so. I, I do. I I would say he has a, him and him Wesley and Willow would be tied for second for me. But I do think, like Cordelia, I would say is one of the best arcs in general. I think that's what I think that's the differential. It's just sort of like I think because it's like, like you you really don't like her and that's such a visceral response when when you don't like somebody it's just so in your gut like Bleh, i can't stand it. what a bitch whatever and then to slowly but surely somebody just gets under the skin and you end up rooting for them and loving them and appreciating them as a person you know i think i think that makes it the best and most interesting yeah. because it's visceral because it's, it goes from uh to in your heart and you're like i can't believe that i like this character i can't believe she's right oh my god i hate that i like her now you know like i think that's did you, what makes this is sense. random but do, are are you a horror fan at all like did you do you watch the scream movies uh, of course i saw them yeah i mean i wouldn't call myself like a diehard but my son is a big horror film because um, and i showed him so, all the horror because I, I, I always so I think them, like why gail weathers like courtney cox's portrayal of gail weathers and your portrayal of of uh i almost said your portrayal of charisma carpenter your portrayal of cordelia like i those are two like character arcs like she got to they are characters that in a lesser series would have like been one-offs and like died real quick you know and wouldn't have gotten to like flourish and i mean gail weathers more so is like more of a like asshole up front like she's just an asshole but like that's okay you know what i mean like you could be a jerk that's okay doesn't mean you like deserve to be the one being stabbed um and i just like that we like those have always been two, two big characters for me and how i write like i always want to write characters that are like that where it's like they are sharp-witted they don't take your bullshit but like, also, they're usually right, and I like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm yes. a fan of that as well. <laughs> All right, well, mm. Charisma, this was okay. wonderful talking to you. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me. Well, thanks for having me on, and um, I will speak with you later. Okay, Bye. bye.